Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! What's going on, guys? Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio for Thursday, April 21st, 2022. I'm Graham G.S. Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. We got another exclusive interview here on the show today, talking to brand new SmackDown superstar Raquel Rodriguez, of course, formerly known as Raquel Gonzalez, former NXT Women's Champion, NXT Women's Tag Team Champion. She was great. She was wonderful. The interview will also be going up in article form tomorrow on DailyDDT.com, so keep an eye out for that. But yeah, Raquel was great, and we talk all about her upcoming debut and what went into it, finding out about the debut and all things along those lines. So you're going to hear that conversation momentarily, followed by our usual conversation with Mr. Marceau and I breaking down Raw, Dynamite, and everything else in between in the world of wrestling. Of course, new episodes of WrestleRant Radio available every single Thursday on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Pandora, and Amazon Music. Be sure to rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show, and never miss an episode every single Thursday. Without further ado, here's my exclusive interview with all-new SmackDown superstar Raquel Rodriguez. What's going on, guys? Graham G.S. and Matthews here with fans out of DailyDDT.com. And ahead of SmackDown this coming Friday, we're talking to one of the newest members of the roster, Raquel Rodriguez. Raquel, what's going on, and how does it feel to be called one of the newest members of SmackDown? It's amazing. I mean, you know, I've said it before, you know, and everybody kind of knows that when you get signed to NXT, of course, the goal is to make a name for yourself in NXT and really do your best there, but also make it to Raw or SmackDown. And so to finally have this opportunity to be a part of the blue brand, I'm so excited. I'm excited to spice up the women's division a little bit and start to get knowing the rest of my locker room buddies and see how everything kind of unfolds for me. It's going to be really it's already started off really, really exciting. So I'm just, I'm getting more and more anxious every time another Friday rolls around. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're just getting into it here. You just started on SmackDown just two weeks ago. So it's still a new experience for you and everyone watching, of course. Um, and with that being said, I mean, you, you talked about before you mentioned like, there was like a video that went up on WWE.com, like right after you debuted, it went up about a week ago, the behind the scenes of your arrival for more details on how people, how you kind of felt going into that moment. And this has been a long time coming for you, too. It's not like you just signed up the company last year. You've been with WWE since late 2016. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah, I started at the PC in, I think, October of 2016. Wow. So talk about that. I mean, it's got to mean more after all these years to be making it to the main roster and just talk a little about it. Obviously, you can go on forever about your journey and the ups and the downs over the last six years, May Young Classic, everything else, NXT. But how much more meaningful is it to finally make it after all this time and to know that you've uh, been a success up to this point? Yeah, I think it is part of having that long journey. And, you know, we, we do stay at the PC because not everybody comes from a wrestling background. A lot of people come from sports or, or from something else. So, you know, they like to use the term paying your dues and everyone's, you know, had their different life that has brought them to this position in this, in this time right now. And so for me, 
having not just already gone through like college and basketball and, and been through all of that, but then also been through a pretty long season at NXT and learning and growing. Um, I think it, it, it honestly, as, as long as it did take, it's something that I feel like I'm needed to grow, not only as a superstar, but to grow as a human being as well. And to, to know how to carry myself and handle myself and keep myself in a position that I am comfortable with and that I, I am happy to be able to produce a product that would, that everyone would, you know, like and love and, and grow with as well. And I think that that's what makes me a little bit different is that I have a little bit more of a story. I think people can relate to me a little bit more mm-hmm. um, when it comes to really struggling to get what you want, but it makes this that much sweeter. I know that I've earned this position. I know that I've worked my ass off, to not use yep. a better term. Um, and I've sacrificed a lot in my life and in my personal life, but I've made it here and I've earned this position and nobody can take that away from me. Yeah. No, I mean, like you said, the journey that you had is really cool. And I think now is such a perfect time too, because you've been in NXT for just over five years now, but it wasn't really until 2020 when you linked up with Dakota Kai, obviously a year ago, winning the NXT women's championship, winning the tag team titles twice. It feels like now is the perfect time for Raquel Rodriguez to be on Raw, on SmackDown, and kind of going into this main roster experience. Did you have a preference between the blue brand and the red? Not that you really have a choice, I guess, but <laughs> did you really have a? Did you have any like thoughts on either brand? Or was it like really wherever they put me is fine with me? Honestly, to me, both of them have their pros and their cons. You know what yeah. I mean? There's not really any cons to either of them. Sure. Going to Raw, obviously, I would be able to hang out with my best friend Rhea Ripley, and and going to Raw, I'd be able to see a few more people that I've I've grown with in NXT as well like Bianca Belair but Smackdown as well you know I get to join my friend Aaliyah I get to hang out with Shayna Baszler who Shayna and I we've had a couple matches in NXT I've kind of always looked up to her as well we always joke around um at the fact that when we were all at NXT it was her Rhea and I that had our own little champ rack every time (laughs) we had to do gym at the PC so (laughs) Um, it's awesome to be able to, to see these people again and to spend time with them because being at NXT while they have been on the road, it's been really hard to even just keep up with each other. Um, so just getting the opportunity to be on, I mean, I really had no preference at all. I'm excited that it's the blue brand though. I really am. I've always, I don't know, SmackDown just has always had a little bit more of like an attitude to it, <laughs> than like a more laid back kind of cool attitude. You know, it's, yeah. it's different. It's just different from Ron and that's what I'm excited for. Yeah, it's a different atmosphere for sure. And uh, you mentioned earlier, like all the friends you have on the main roster, obviously most notably Rhea Ripley. How did you preface that? Did you tell her, hey, I'm coming to the main roster and she's all excited. And then you tell her you're going to smack them. She's like, oh, darn it. Like, how did that conversation go? I didn't even tell her. <laughs> oh, really? So she yeah, just sees you on Friday nights? Wow. Yeah, yeah. So what's funny is uh, the Friday that I got called, you know, to, to be the call up, the official call up. Um, I've always... And I've learned this from my long experience in NXT is, you know, when they tell you something might be coming up, you never know. Things change at the drop of a hat here. Things can just, you know, things can get canceled. Things can get scratched, whatever. So I didn't want to tell anyone until it actually happened for me. (laughs) So it was kind of funny that that Friday night, she like messaged me and she goes, oh, I'm just upset that you're not on the red ground, but I'm so happy for you. So like, (laughs) I I mean, I know she was going to support me either way, you know, (laughs) and like you said, Sometimes the decisions aren't made up to us, but I just, I wanted 
to make sure that it was actually going to happen before I said anything to anyone. That's a good approach to take. Like you said, anything can change. We hear about people coming up. We don't see them or we don't hear about people coming up and they show up anyway. Like that just, that's just the nature of the beast when it comes to just wrestling in general, but specifically WWE, you mentioned you got the call on Fridays. Did you get the call that day or did you know a couple of days ahead of time? (laughs) I knew, um, maybe a couple days ahead of time. It was like right after we had just won the tag titles at stand and deliver. Um, but again, I knew that we, I still had my business at NXT and I wanted to make sure I fully saw all of that through, whether it meant just having that one match on Tuesday or continuing on for the next couple of weeks and being on two brands. I was totally okay with that. Um, so I really, I, I kind of knew ahead of time, but again, I don't like to get my hopes up. I don't like to say much until it actually happens. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of people were saying you showed up on Friday. It was a crazy week for you really in the span of seven days in your native Texas, no less when you won the tag team titles on Saturday at standing deliver, you lose them on Tuesday. And then on Friday, you're on SmackDown. So it really was a whirlwind of a week (laughs) and kind of going from standing deliver to Tuesday. People are wondering, why would you guys only be champions for three days? And my argument (laughs) always was, I mean, you won the titles in your, like I said, your home state of Texas. So, I mean, that probably would make sense. How much, how meaningful was that moment for you to win the tag team title? Cause the first time you guys were just kind of given the tag team title. So you kind of had to earn it this time. So talk a little bit about that. Yeah, it was great. It was, it was really a, a come all the way around type of moment for me, because like you said, back in 2020, when I paired up with Dakota, it was something that really catapulted me as a performer and my career and being partnered with her has been an amazing journey all in itself because I've learned so much from her I've grown with her. We have, we have become like really close, uh, tight knit friends. And then we wish the best for each other nonstop. And so getting that opportunity to be reunited before one of the biggest stages of them all, one of the biggest weekends, WrestleMania weekend, mm-hmm. you know, going into Dallas, Texas, getting to have that be reunited after like eight months of fighting and, and not being on the same terms. It was really cool. It was really cool. I, I think I cried a lot that weekend. Um, <laughs> And I cried a lot on Tuesday too, just because Tuesday when we lost the titles, I I knew that you know this might be it for me here mm-hmm. in NXT. And I kind of looked around and I was like, I don't really know anything else other than the performance center. And that's what's crazy is because I went to Dallas and stand and deliver this year, and that was only the second time I've ever worked in front of in a coliseum in front of that many people. Yeah. The first time was my debut. Yeah. Right after my debut, COVID hit quarantine hit. We were in lockdown. I was perform. I went from performing in front of 3000 people making a debut to performing in front of zero people. Mm-hmm. And then still being here with NXT and, and not doing our road shows anymore, not being on the, on the loops or, or getting to travel as much and getting to see new fans and see new places. It was, it was really hard. And, and a moment for me to really understand like, wow, like this is really it. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it, was, it definitely was a long week for me, but I, I wouldn't change any of it. It was really cool to win the titles in Texas, nonetheless, with my family there and a lot of my close friends there. And of course, I did a gear inspired by the queen, Selena, because not only did she have her big 25th coming up, but she also had a birthday coming up. And it just felt right to me to represent her because she is a Tex- Mexican-American. I'm a Mexican-American. Mm-hmm. She's from two hours north of where I'm from. I feel like I've been on the same kind of journey as her where it's never been given to us it's never been easy nothing has ever just been handed over it's always been work for what you can forget the stereotypes everyone's trying to put you in you know you're never mexican enough for the mexicans you're never american enough for the americans but i'm tex-mex and and that's what i offer and that's i'm going to give you 100 percent of just 
Texican right here. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny you mentioned that too, because I feel like SmackDown historically dating back to like the mid two thousands has always had that like Latino flavor to it a little bit, like whether it being Rey Mysterio show for a long time and, you know, so many other people that kind of came after him. So SmackDown just kind of feels like a great fit. I mean, even if you went to raw, that would be a great fit too. But I mean, with, even with SmackDown, it's, it's just got a great history of that sort of thing. And I love the message you just sent right there. And as far as one of the titles in Texas, such a great moment. And it was a good match to boot. I was just about to ask you about how being bookended from debuting in front of fans, winning the titles back in your first show in front of 3000 people. It's a really cool, like NXT experience and all the years that kind of preceded that as well. And uh, just kind of everything else that kind of happened in between. Would you talk about like, when, when you talk about like the fans and the lack of fans over the last two years, Obviously, it's tough in the moment and it sucks. Like even as fans watching, it sucks. But in, in retrospect, is it a fun challenge to know that you kind of work through that and was able to have like your best period ever, a six month reigning women's champion with absolutely no fans? I think that's a nice feather in the cap for you. Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And not only to just have that position in front of a very amount, limited amount of fans, but it's also being trusted with that position because yeah. that's a big position to to, to be in, you know, not only are you the face of the women's division in NXT, but you're also responsible for a lot of what the fans are going to perceive when it comes to women's wrestling in NXT. And I had a lot to carry after, of course, the stars that were before me, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley, Shayna Baszler, Bianca Belair, Lacey Evans, like Charlotte, Sasha, Bailey, they all came from NXT and they are all these amazing women and these amazing representations of champions. And so here I am and I'm like, okay, they are entrusting me with this position. They are putting, they're putting the responsibility on my shoulders. Can I carry it? Hell yes, I can. And I'm (laughs) going to do my very best and I'm going to stay true to who I am. And I'm just going to keep pushing through because no matter what's happening on the outside world right now, I know that what the fans need is an escape. And that's what we're providing for them because it's hard to not be able to leave your house and not be able to go to shows. And I a hundred percent know because I was in that position too. Um, and, and so just to be able to come out every week and, and give my very best as a performer and as an entertainer and make sure that my fans were also connecting with me at the same time, it was a challenge and, and I hope I lived up to it. I feel like I did my very best when it came to that. Yeah, I would agree. Even coming from a fan standpoint, I'm biased talking to you here right now, but I mean, especially if you look at the lineage of the women's championship, I mean, they were all great champions, but I feel if you look at the lineage, a lot of those women were already established coming into the company and already had, you know, a lot of independent experience and stuff like that kind of for yourself is almost like a homegrown WWE talent in the last couple of years, going from the May Young Classic and being champion for a substantial period of time too. We have a lot of good matches on the takeovers and everything like that, making it extra impressive with the run that you had. And now seeing it where you are right now is a really cool kind of full circle moment. And obviously now we're seeing you on Fridays as Raquel Rodriguez, no longer Raquel Gonzalez. A lot of name changes going on right now, but with the Rodriguez name, was there any inspiration on it from your end or was it just a name that you were given and it's like, all right, cool, we'll run with it. You know, it was kind of just given with me and I was like, cool, let's run with it. But I'm not <laughs> mad at it because it's funny. Rhea was at uh, SmackDown this past Friday with me. And so we were just chit-chatting. And I was like, oh my gosh, now we're both R&R. Oh, oh my yeah. gosh. <laughs> now we have the same initials. Yeah, we have the same initials. We have the same first initial as well. I was like, if we ever do by chance become a tag again, we got to start thinking of funny tag names for this. So we're like, maybe Rip Rod, Rod Rip. I don't know. <laughs> The options were endless for us, but I'm totally cool with it. Like, you know, it's a name at the end of the day, people are going to look at me and see my face and, and put my face to what they have already established or what they have made up in their minds about my character and who I am as a persona. So I think 
the name is cool. I'm I'm for it. <laughs> you get to stick with Raquel too, so it's not like drastically yeah. different. So I mean, it's it's somewhat similar, which is fine. But that's cool. You, you fun. You mentioned the Rhea Ripley thing. We actually never on TV saw you guys as a tag team. Obviously, on the house shows and off screen, you guys have been best friends for a long time. That's got to be something you want to explore now in the main roster, right? At some point, when the brand, when you guys are on the same show, be a tag team at some point, hopefully. I, I definitely. We both have talked about it so many times that we hope that hope hopefully one day. God willing, our journeys will connect again and we will be able to put it on the big screen and put all the fun stuff we used to do as a tag. Like we have, when we both started off at NXT, you know, you mentioned she had already come with a little bit of experience and I was still kind of green, but we were pushing so hard for each other and wanting to be there for each other that we made all these really weird funny videos while we were out doing coconut shows you know we were the Grinch and and we asked some people to participate and we played pranks on them for Christmas and and we would make these funny promo videos after matches or we would take these silly pictures as her as a koala and I'm an armadillo because those are where we came from those are the animals that we could think of that were you know kind of cute at first but they're very vicious if you look up the videos koalas and armadillos can be very vicious animals <laughs> um, so I think that is something that we would definitely want to share more of because even when we had our feud in NXT I know they put snippets out to kind of help tell the story of how close great. we are yeah. yeah yeah and it was an amazing amazing package that they put together for us but that's something that we would want to do long term and really like spread it out through a period of time of showing how how our how we relate to each other and how we got so close and why our friendship is the way it is and why we trust each other so much and and where you know where I lack what she gives and what she lacks where I can give and mm -hmm. stuff like that. I think it'll help not just both of us, but it'll help us individually as well. So that, you know, just, there's more of a connection. Yeah, most definitely. And I'm sure we will see that at some point, whether it be as partners or as rivals again, that last woman standing right. match you guys said was fantastic. <laughs> so if you guys can run it back eventually on a bigger stage would be even better. But in the meantime, people can get you every Friday, Raquel on SmackDown on Fox. We look forward to your journey. Congrats again. And thanks for taking the time. Today. I appreciate it. Thank you. I'll see you guys Friday. Big thanks to Raquel for the time. You can also check out our chat in video form over on my YouTube channel starting tomorrow at youtube.com backslash WrestleRant and in article form coming soon to dailyddt.com. Plenty of more interviews available on the YouTube channel right now with young rock stars Joseph Lee Anderson and Matthew Willig. Joseph plays Rocky Johnson, the rock's dad on Young Rock. And Matthew portrays Andre the Giant on the show, and both were great, both in video form on the channel right now, and my video interview with AJ Styles from WrestleMania weekend earlier this month. So check those all out right now, and Sol Volcano from Impractical Jokers, that's an audio one. So a lot of interviews, a lot of content. If you're not already subscribed, please do so to the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. And before we go any further, Mr. Marceau, we do have to discuss an anniversary, as it was, what, 14 years ago from last Thursday, April 14th, that I first started watching wrestling full-time. Today also marks another anniversary, April 21st. Do you know what that is, brother? <laughs> um, I do not. And it involves you. Uh, okay, so it involves me. I would say... 13 years ago or yeah 13 13 years ago was backlash 2009 great great note and that's not what i was getting at although oh. we are approaching that anniversary that's not what i was thinking of because we will hopefully be at wrestlemania backlash i'm looking forward to that it's almost guaranteed but i like to throw you with the maybes with the ifs and the maybes i love to keep you on your toes but that's not what i was thinking of but it is on that note with an event that you and i attended at one point Anything come to mind? 
I'm drawing a blank here. I'm trying to think. You would I honestly be, don't. You would be feeling it this morning when you rolled out of bed. I don't know. How's your shoulder? Oh! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's so fucked up. That was how long ago was that? That was six years ago today. Samoa Joe beating Finn Balor. NXT house show for the NXT title. What a night. Oh my god, my shoulder just hurts thinking about it. I honestly I, I honestly think of the many, many shows that you and I have been to. And we've been to various promotions, we've been to a lot of AEW shows, WWE obviously, a lot of takeovers. And there were a lot of great takeovers that you you and I have been to with other people or just ourselves. I honestly think that might be one of my favorite shows that we've ever gone to in Lowell, Massachusetts. That was a great show. I mean, I obviously don't remember everyone on there, but I think they had a ton of good. Like, I'm pretty sure Andrade, like he made his was one of his first shows on NXT was on that show. His name was Manny, I think, at that point. Yeah. Yeah, I think the Revival were on the show. Yeah, I mean, I think you have the card. Don't you have the card for that? Yeah, I think I, 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 I have the card. I have a poster of it. I think. If I don't have a post, I think I have the poster of it somewhere. Um, I wrote a review yeah. up at the time, so I definitely could look it up. But off the top of my head, I remember, as you mentioned, Revival, American Alpha, NXT Tag Titles, great match. Um, now known as Bit Busick, but at that point, Oni Lorcan taking on Tommaso Ciampa. I remember that being a great match. You mentioned the debut of Andrade, our first time seeing him before he debuted on TV. I think he faced Austin Aries that night. Shinsuke had a match, I think with, I almost said Sean Spears. At that point, Ty Dillinger. Um, I think they had a match, and obviously the main event. I think it was Asuka and Alexa Bliss for the NXT Women's Championship. That sounds right, yeah. Yep. Do you remember what the opener was? I think it was Riddick Moss for someone else. Yes, I thought I thought you would get the other part of it, but Mojo Raleigh. I'm not looking at the card. This is all off memory, so I could be wrong, but it was Mojo Raleigh versus uh, Riddick Moss. Ugh. That's crazy. That's actually a pretty sick card for a house show. Yeah, it was a pretty good card. And do you remember who was in the front row for that show? Do not. Gronk was there. Oh, yeah! I Gronk <laughs> was there. Well, yeah, because Bojo Raleigh, duh. Some lady literally goes, dude, as we're walking back to the car. Obviously, Molly was there, too. Got to give her her credit as well. But we're walking out of the arena. Your, your shoulder's killing you because I pretty much just gave you a heart attack when I jumped on you when Joe won the belt. But this lady walks up to us and she goes, did you guys see Gronk there? Like, where was Gronk or whatever? I'm like, who? I literally said, who is that? I honestly had no fucking clue who the hell Rob Gronk. I think that was the first time I'd ever heard of Rob Gronkowski. And you're like, oh, yeah, he was in the front row. He's a Patriots player, blah, blah, blah. But, um, yeah. Now now I'm the biggest football fan ever, but at that point I didn't know who he was. Yeah, I didn't even know who Gronk was, Jesus. On a related note, when's the draft? Isn't that like tonight or coming? Or isn't that on the 25th or something? It is the 20th. 28th? It's next Thursday. Next Thursday? You excited? It's the 20th. Can't wait. We'll talk a little bit more about the draft, the NFL draft, next week here on the show as it will fall on a Thursday. We'll get your predictions for who you think is going where. i got to start putting my mock draft, too. I was going to say, you got to get your mock draft ready. I want to I see it. <laughs> we'll talk all about football next week here on the show. Not for the entire hour, but we will delve a little bit into it before the draft that night. Uh, before anything, though, we got to talk a little bit about Raw from this week before we get into Dynamite and some Battle of the Belt stuff as well from last weekend. Um, I've actually been enjoying Raw on the whole, and i like to get your overall thoughts on these shows before we delve deeper into the specifics of each show. 
But I want to get your overall thoughts on Raw recently. I mean, I think SmackDown has sucked for the better part of the year. Um, I don't know if merging the championships was the right move because Roman's not really. He wasn't on SmackDown last week. He'll probably be back on Friday. We don't know what the main event of WrestleMania backlash involving Reigns will be. SmackDown has just not been good, but even without a world champion with Raw in the last couple of weeks, I've been liking what I've been seeing from Rhodes and Rollins. The Rhea Ripley heel turn on the show was quite good. I, I'm obviously very much digging the RK Bro stuff and whatnot. So, uh, yeah, I've been really enjoying Raw lately, but I might be in the minority on that, at least by recent Raw standards. No, I think the show's been more enjoyable, I would say. Probably even right before WrestleMania, I thought it was pretty good as well, but... I think they've had decent shows. I mean, the shows are... I think the biggest takeaway has been just the length of the shows. Mm -hmm. So I think they do have to add a little bit more, like, filler and dumb stuff. Like, we got the wedding ceremony this week. And Good Lord, they do have terrible. a couple other things that are in there just don't really need to be on the show. So that's realistically, I think, the one weakness of Raw is the length just because they do have to fill so much time. But I think the stuff that, like, has substance or that has mattered, I, I think it's been good. The whole RK Bro stuff's been great. Um, Cody's been killing it. Seth's been killing it. Even The Miz had a good uh, segment match last week. I mean, the poor Mysterio was getting crushed by Vera. I feel bad for them. Um, but the return was great. Um, seemingly, we're getting the women's tag titles on the show more than we ever did before. So um, I, I think it's been a, it's not been a great show, but I think it's been good and watchable. So I can't complain on that aspect. We'll get the negative out of the way early here, but the double commitment ceremony, as it was called, involving R-Truth, Dana Brooke, Akira Tozawa, Tamina, and Reggie was just downright terrible. I mean, that wasted so much time, and, uh, I mean, it, putting it in the third hour didn't help. I mean, I guess it's better than having it open the show or close the show, but what was worse, that or the wedding that we went to in Hartford three years ago with Rusev, or not with Rusev, with uh, Lana and Bobby Lashley? It was worse, I think. It went on for way too long. That did too, but this was pretty bad. Yeah, I mean, they both, I mean, it's a wedding ceremony at a wrestling show. I mean, you know what you're going to get. You know it's not going to be good. I don't think there's ever been a good one. The only good one's the one with uh, Billy and Chuck with Eric Bischoff. I mean, that's literally the only one I can think of that had any substance of any goodness. So, I mean, the whole 24-7 stuff just really needs to go away. I just, I just don't get it. Yeah, how anyone can bring themselves to care about it at this point, I have no idea. But the championship has been around long enough to the point where we are now approaching the three-year mark of when it debuted in the company in May of 09. Or no, no, nine, oh my God, uh, three years ago in 2019, to where it was like a month after that. They did the wedding on, not on Raw, but they did that segment on Raw with Drake Maverick's wedding. So it's, it's we're at the point now where the championship has been around long enough, where it's been involved in two weddings in WWE. And it's just, uh, and there's no end in sight, unfortunately. That segment sucked. But overall, I thought it was a decent episode of Raw. I enjoyed some stuff more than others, but I thought it was a pretty coherently entertaining edition of Raw this week. Uh, one of the highlights was Theory. Don't call him Austin. Just Theory winning the United States Championship off of Finn Balor. Pretty good match here. You had to know this was coming. Balor has been beaten into the ground as champion over the last six, seven weeks since he won, first won the championship on Raw from Damian Priest has not been booked as a strong champion at all. He was the definition of a paper champion, holding on to a transitional champion, rather. Merely holding on to it before Theory could uh, take it off of him. But, um, yeah, no, I thought Theory winning was the right call. I enjoyed the match and the post-match visual of him celebrating with Vince, McMahon that is, obviously, really just kind of put the stamp of approval on Theory as a star of the future, I would say. Yeah, I mean, I think once we knew that he was linking up with Vince, he was going to be 
I don't know if it's a considered top guy, but definitely getting the push. And well, beating Balor on Monday kind of cemented that and kind of showing off with Vince all as well. So, I, I mean, he does everything right. The name, it is what it is, I guess. I don't, I don't love it, but that's what they do. So, um, maybe, hopefully, down the line, maybe we can get a first name back on him. But, uh, no, I, I think he's got done, has all the tools, and I think he's the right one to be a mid-card champion. So, I'll... I'll all thumbs up to me. What do you think his ceiling for success is on the main roster? Because I could certainly see him going all the way as a world champion in this company. And at what point we don't know, anything can change. But, you know, people were throwing the idea at me of Theory and John Cena at some point, which to me would make sense. I mean, John Cena's first championship in WWE on the main roster was the United States title back at WrestleMania 20 when he beat Big Show. Uh, Theory has been on the main roster, you know, about the same length that Cena was. Cena was there for about two years before he finally won his first championship. Theory's been here for about two years as well, if you include that uh, initial run two years ago, when he first got called up during the pandemic, or right before the pandemic, or whenever that was. But, um, yeah, no, I, I think he could be a guy where, if given time, we don't ordinarily see people win the U.S. championship or the Intercontinental title nowadays and actually be elevated to that next step. It's typically just a placeholder championship for people like Ricochet or Balor, who they have no plans for. But I think he could be a guy like Randy Orton. And you kind of grew up during the rise of Randy in WWE, where with Theory, um, he could be a guy that could take that championship, hold it for a while. And I thought this would happen with Priest. Unfortunately, it hasn't happened yet. But he can not only elevate the title, but maybe be elevated himself to the next level in WWE, be a main eventer, maybe by the end of the year, if not this time next year. What do you think? Yeah, I think Randy Orton's actually a really good call for him. Um, both young, both had the look, the size, the in-ring ability. I mean, honestly, Randy Orton would probably be the best comp I'd give him right off the bat. Um, and I could see, like you said, elevating that United States champion. And, I mean, I think the sky's the limit for him. So, I mean, WWE champion, universal champion doesn't seem like it's far off for him. On the subject of Randy, we're coming up on the 20-year anniversary of Randy Orton in WWE as of Monday. So it's going to fall on Raw, actually. They haven't announced anything for that show. They've been talking about Randy Orton's 20-year anniversary all week long on social media. I don't know if they plan to do a celebration or even acknowledge it on Monday's Raw. I'm sure they'll throw it in there in a quick commentary line. But beyond that, I think they should do more because it's a pretty big accomplishment considering... You know, he's still a regular on the roster and he started so young and he's been a main eventer for so long, so... Obviously, a very impressive accolade. Um, like, even when, like, Kane, for example, celebrated 20 years in WWE. By that point, he was long gone. He was no longer a regular on the roster. Even the same with uh, Undertaker. When he celebrated 20 years in 2010, he wasn't really much of a regular anymore. He was a part-timer by that point. And Orton is far off from that. He's taken time off over the years for various injuries and whatnot, but he hasn't really been gone for an extended period of time. And he's always been there. So talk a little bit about Randy Orton, his influence on your fandom, because he came up at the same time that you started watching. I know you've always been a big Orton fan. You were there when he won the WWE title at Backlash. Not WrestleMania Backlash, but just plain old Backlash uh, 13 years ago in Providence. And, um, yeah, some of your favorite Randy Orton matches and moments as we approach that 20-year anniversary on Monday. Yeah, I mean, growing up, basically, I've grown up watching Randy my whole life watching wrestling. So, uh He's just always been a fan of mine. I mean, uh, once he kind of got his feet wet and got under evolution, I mean, that's where it really all started. Before that, he was kind of like a – him and John Cena were very similar, just kind of like random baby faces that really had no direction. And then uh, once he turned heel and went with evolution, I mean, the sky was the limit there. But, uh, 
I mean, him winning the World Heavyweight Championship against Benoit, I mean, that will always, that'll always be there. His feud with Mick Foley, I love that. Um, I mean, and the Triple H feud was great back in 2009. Loved it when he went to Randy's house. Great, great stuff there. <laughs> Threw him through the front window. Oh, with uh, the Triple H thing? Yeah. Yep, being at I mean being at Backlash when he won the belt there was great. I mean, and you're it's been a River, lot. I mean, you're a part of the Peacock stream of that show. I was, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, he's he was at WrestleMania 30. Obviously, he was didn't win that match, but he was there. And then we saw him at 33 in that amazing title match against Bray Wyatt. <laughs> and then uh, yeah, I mean, I think he's got a great career. I think he's basically mastered the heel face both he can do both pretty well i think obviously he's probably i would still say he's a better heel i mean he's doing great stuff right now as a baby face but uh i mean him as that vindictive viper heel i mean no you don't want to boo anyone more than him at that point so he's had a lot of different phases and i think it's basically why he's lasted as long as he has it honestly looks like he's having more fun now in his career than at any other point in his entire 20-year run. I mean, the stuff that he's doing with RK Bro has been very entertaining, but Orton himself, with the way he comes across in these matches and segments, really honestly feels like he's enjoying my, he's enjoying himself more than ever before. Yeah, definitely. I think it also helps that he's a babyface, so it's just like you get to enjoy it a lot more, but Riddle's definitely... It's just, I think, the character development between the different... Like, they're so, like, polar differences like, on a basic character front that I think, it, like, they made it work, and now it's just, like, they're having fun doing it because the crowd loves them. Yeah, what, what I think makes it extra impressive is the fact that you mentioned him being a babyface helps, but he has always been notoriously against being a babyface. Like, he just absolutely has hated it in the past. He's talked about it in interviews. He wasn't a fan of being a face. Um, he always thrived in being a heel, and traditionally that's where he did his best work. But he's been on fire this past year with... uh him and Riddle. I think we actually just hit the it might have been Monday or Tuesday the one year mark of when they had their first ever one-on-one match in WWE and here we are a year later and they're still you know they lost and they got it back but they're the Raw Tag Team Champions so they probably won't be for much longer if they lose to the Usos at Wrestlemania Backlash but I don't know what do you think is the current timetable I mean we talk about this a lot but what do you think is the current timetable for a split on these two I mean at this point if it's not Wrestlemania which has already come and gone SummerSlam would, would look likely if we're going to have one unified pair of titles, they're probably going to lose to the Usos. I don't see what happens if they win because there's really no heel teams for them to challenge or to face, rather. I guess you could say the same about the Usos, but I think it just makes more sense for the Usos to win. I mean, I've said this before, but I honestly wouldn't break them up at this point. They're just so over, and I guess it would make it more surprising if Orton were to turn on him now, a la The Shield in 2014, but I would still do drag it out for as long as possible. And I would honestly like to see them kind of branch off and do their own thing in singles competition. Maybe have Randy go after Roman for a little while. Um, after they lose the Raw Tag Team titles, that could be the June pay-per-view match or Money in the Bank. Not have Orton win, obviously. But I think you can keep them aligned and not have them in the Tag Team title mix without breaking them up quite yet. Yeah, I would say I would flesh this out as long as you can. I mean, they're, they're probably... Out of everyone on Raw, and I wouldn't consider Roman on Raw, they're the most over team, most over person on Raw, basically. I would say so. I think breaking them up would be silly at this point. I think, like you said, maybe if they lose the belts, still like keep them aligned to a point, but like maybe do their own thing for a little bit. Like they'll always have to be in the tag team division. But like it's kind of like it could be like a stable, basically, it's just them two. But it's like they want like Randy could go after Roman. 
Riddle does his own little thing. Maybe he faces Theory and get some matches between them. But uh, I wouldn't break them up anytime soon. I would keep it going for as long as possible. I think if they're still popular, still getting great reactions, why would you, why would you risk ruining that? And I think Riddle could do very well on his own if he's treated like a serious competitor, not like a goof, like he was before they linked up on the show. But. And I just wouldn't pull that trigger quite yet. I was petitioning for it a couple of months ago, but seeing where they are now and what they're still doing, the reactions they're receiving, I wouldn't lobby for it quite yet. Uh, one last thing on the Orton front. Your favorite, you talked about your favorite Orton moments that you've seen live and some of your favorite matches. What do you think Randy Orton's, maybe not just one, but top two or three best Randy Orton matches ever are. Because, you know, he may not be the greatest wrestler of all time, but he's got to be included in the conversation of maybe top ten, if not higher than that. Um, he's had a lot of great matches, still even underrated in certain respects in the ring, and he's had a lot of amazing matches and memories. But what do you think, at the end of the day, if someone were to ask you, and I guess I'm asking you right now, what are the top two or three Randy Orton matches ever in the last 20 years? Um, see, the kid loves putting me on the spot. I do. Um, I mean, I really like him and Seth from WrestleMania 31. I mean, it was an opener. It wasn't like the greatest. Like, it was a five-star class, but that was a really good match. Mm -hmm. I mean, the finish as well. I mean, that RKO was probably the best one of all time. So, definitely put that up there. I mean, him and Christian from SummerSlam, that match is great as well. I feel like that's such an underrated Randy Orton, like, feud match, whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to think. I mean, yeah, I, I would put the Christian match in there for sure, absolutely. Yeah, I'm trying to think who else. I mean, he's feuded with so many people. I feel like him and Cena feuded for so long. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah. I don't know. Do you put... I don't know if you remember this, but... the I, I'm trying to think, because like, he and Triple H had so many matches. He and John Cena had so many matches. But I don't know if any of them were ever really like truly classic. Except for maybe, if you would remember this, the Iron Man match they had at Bragging Rights that one year. Nah, it doesn't. I, it sounds familiar, but it doesn't ring a bell. Like okay. I don't remember it. But no, I, I would. I would say the Christian match and the Seth one the, off the top of my head. What about the greatest wrestling match of all time? We were told the backlash two years ago with Edge. I played the fifth. That was actually a really good match. I don't know if it was the greatest wrestling match ever, as they said, but. That actually ended up being quite a great match, but uh, yeah, no, there, there's a lot of Orton matches to choose from. I'm thinking from early on too. You could put maybe a Taker match on there, maybe not the 21 one, but Armageddon 05. Yeah, you were there I'd for that probably, one. I would, I'd probably put WrestleMania 21 up there. I thought that was a good match. Where you put the Armageddon match up there. I mean, they had a lot of good matches too. I totally forgot about that. That was like early Randy, but yeah, I yeah. mean, not the Bray Wyatt WrestleMania 33 match. I wouldn't sprinkle that one in. Uh. <laughs> that one was a shit show. I'm trying to think of like other matches in recent years because he's been around for a lot of very good matches lately, but no like truly classic ones. Um, like some of the RK Bro matches have been great. When they won the titles back on that Raw about a month ago, that triple threat tag team match. I mean, I'm talking singles, but you might be able to include that one in that conversation because that was quite a great match. I love the Rollins one that you mentioned. You know, I guess you could include Brian Batista and Orton at WrestleMania 30. I don't really put that up there as a great Randy Orton match because it was more about Daniel Bryan than it was Orton. But yeah, like, I don't even remember the, the match with Benoit. I mean, I don't really remember. Like, was that a great match? Like, I don't even remember. Yeah, no, I think it was a good match. I don't remember it being. I mean, I wasn't a fan at that point, but having seen it myself, eh, I don't know if I would put it in that classic category. It's weird. He's had a lot of very good matches, but no, like he's had classic matches, but. Not as many as you would think for a guy that's been around for two decades. Um, 
you know, I'm trying to think like, oh, wait, a couple of the matches maybe with Jeff Hardy, Punk. I really like the Punk WrestleMania 27 match. I don't know if I'd put that in the top three, but that would be up there, I think. That was a really underrated match. That was a good match. I don't know if I'd put it top, top though. So I'm trying to think what else. He was in the sixth man at 29, was he? Or am I yeah, he was. Up? You're right. Yep. I wouldn't put that on there. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, I mean, like you said, I think he's he's had very good matches. He had like that many like classic matches. It's funny, yeah. I mean, I don't, yeah. I, we might have to pull up Uncle Dave's star ratings. I don't know. <laughs> Did any of them ever get a five star? I really don't know. That's a great question. I honestly don't know because you hear a lot, or I've seen a lot anyway, like, oh, Brian Danielson's never had a five star match per Meltzer, which was weird. I think that changed recently. I think Meltzer gave him and Omega or him and Suzuki or whoever it was a five star rating or him and Page. So that's not true. But Orton might be in that conversation, too, of, of someone who has never had a five-star match in WWE. He might have. I don't know. I don't know. That's a no, great question. Never, never has. You just Google it? Yep. Wow. That's crazy. I honestly think, thinking about it now, and you wouldn't think this at the time, or it just sounds weird, but I, that Christian match might be the best Randy Orton match in WWE history. I mean, honestly, like... I mean, they had some great matches, but I'm trying to think of other ones that would be better than that. Most of the ones on this list are... Like multis? The list, they're all multis. The only one that's... I mean, it's still a kind of a multi. Uh, Orin, Batista, and Daniel Bryan's four and a half. But the rest of them are like Money in the Bank matches or like Survivor Series matches and yeah. stuff like that. That's Elimination funny. Chamber, so. His, the only one that's... Him and Drew from Hell in a Cell 2020 was four and a four and a quarter. And that wasn't. And I, I I remember that match, and that wasn't even that good. And him and Cactus from Backlash 04 was four and a half. That was a good match. That it, actually, you it's know extreme. what? I I take back my answer. That might be the best Randy Orton match ever, if only because it really put him on the map as a main eventer. So honestly, that might be it. Him and Ben was four and a quarter. Yeah. So it sounds like he has a lot of matches, like the four and a quarter, four and a half. I feel like you said. I feel like he's got a lot of good good to. Good matches, nothing like excellent, but... Yeah. It's interesting. Even some of the Shield Evolution matches were fantastic, too. I mean, those weren't singles matches, but I would put those up there. If you're talking just any match, I'd put those up there, but yeah, I, I don't know how we forgot about the, the Cactus Jack match, but that would be my number one. I would say that's probably the best Randy Orton match ever. Um, I would put Christian in there, and I would put... um. You said Rollins? What's the third match you would put in that conversation to kind of complete the, uh, the triad there? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say the Rollins. I feel like that's a you get one from every every era, like, era, era. Yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure there's more matches to come as well. So, uh, yeah, 20 years of Randy Orton, wild to think about. So, as we discuss the rest of Raw here, uh, like I said, I thought it was a mildly entertaining show as far as newsworthy things that happened. We had a new United States champion, as we talked about, but we also had a heel turn from Rhea Ripley, as we all expected, turning on Liv Morgan following their failure to become the WWE Women's Tag Team Champions against Sasha Banks and Naomi. Again, the heel turn we all saw coming, but one that needed to happen, not only so she can link up with, uh, you know, Edge and Damian Priest and maybe try out that thing, if if it even works, because some of the supernatural shit they're doing with those two, I'm not super high on. The, the purple lights, I think, are a little silly. Like, the backstage segment this week, I thought was weird. Um, but I, I still think it has potential of Rhea Ward to join. We don't see women in WWE factions too often these days, so I think that'd be cool. But it's a nice character change for Rhea. She was over on her own as a face, but... 
we haven't seen her as a heel in several in several years. Uh, it's a role that we know she thrives in, and I think the Raw brand really needs it right now. With Becky Lynch being out for the time being, and I think she deserves the time off. Who are you really left with? Carmella and Queen Zelina? Give me a fucking break. Do drop. No one takes her seriously. And Nikki Ash is a joke. Tamina's terrible, too. So I, I think this heel turn for Rhea Ripley was much overdue. Yeah, I think it definitely, like you said, I think it's much overdue. But I, the only thing that worries me is I feel like they're turning her heel just to feed her to Bianca, unfortunately. Like, I love Rhea, but I just feel like her turning her heel is because Bianca's beat every other heel on the roster. So it's like they need to get some. I mean, obviously they have Sonya as well, but. I mean, I feel like that's probably going to be one of our next programs against Rhea just to beat her, unfortunately. Maybe. I mean, if you look at the landscape of the rosters right now, as far as the women's division on Raw, um, we're getting DeVille and Bianca next week on Raw, probably the pay-per-view, I would imagine, as well. Maybe. I don't know that for a fact, but maybe. You know, obviously, I would have Belair win there. You know, would you have Becky come back for Hell in the Cell and do the third match between them? And not the third match, but the next and last match between those two at that pay-per-view? I think that's befitting of a Hell in the Cell stipulation and have Belair decisively win there. Yeah, it's possible. I feel like they're holding out for SummerSlam for that rematch. but Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. Because they will be in... They talk about, oh, they'll be in Nashville for... You know, not Knoxville or whatever in her hometown on Monday. They'll, they'll be in Nashville in her home state for SummerSlam. Yeah. So, I could see that. Um, she could be a filler opponent. I would like to see Rhea be the one to take the championship off of her. Um, another question that I've seen other people pitch, would you unify the women's championship since we're getting a unified world title and tag titles come WrestleMania Backlash? No. I just feel like there's too, much, too many women to do that. I know the Raw division isn't great, and neither is the SmackDown division, but I feel like it would give women less opportunities if that were the case. I completely agree. I mean, unless they started using the tag team titles correctly maybe but still at that point i still don't think i still think you should have two for each show yeah i mean the tag team division is one thing i don't even agree with the unified world title but the tag team division is one thing because they really don't have a lot of teams they have a lot more women than they do teams i mean let's face it the women's tag teams that those titles are pointless but let's say for example if charlotte if and when she were to hold that unified women's title she would be on raw and smackdown every week and if she weren't then what are these women fighting for you know i mean they just that's it really defeats the purpose yeah i completely agree i, I think that they have too many women to unify i think they have too many women to unify yeah i just i just wouldn't do it uh, the main event on Monday, we saw Cody Rhodes take on surprise opponent Kevin Owens. Fun fact, that was actually the dark match from that after WrestleMania when we were there. So they ran that back here. They got a lot of time. It was a good match. I was not a fan of the fact it was unadvertised. But, you know, it's not like a marquee pay-per-view main event, but I would advertise it in advance. But I could see why they did what they did, and it made sense, so I didn't hate it. Um, and they also did a count-out, so it's not like Kevin Owens got beat. The lie detector stuff was entertaining earlier in the show, by the way, with Kevin Owens. He was back out at the end of the show. He was really the MVP of the show. And Cody Rhodes won by count out as they rushed off the air. So thoughts on the main event as well as the lie detector stuff. Two different segments, but Kevin Owens was involved in both. Yeah, I thought I thought the uh, lie detector stuff was good. I think him and Gabe were, were funny. I, I like you said, it's like a guilty pleasure. I die at, at, at Gable and, and Owens. I think they're so mm-hmm. funny and the whole Ezekiel stuff. So I think he was good there. And then, like you said, this match was great. Unadvertised, but like I said, it wasn't like he got beat clean or anything. It was a count out, so uh, no complaint there. I thought it was a good match, and it helped further the, the Seth and, and Cody stuff. So I, like I said, I think it ended on a good note, and I thought Raw was pretty good on Monday. Yeah, I enjoyed it for what it was. It really was the Kevin Owens show, quite literally on Monday, and I thought it was a solid show overall. 
Uh, before we get to AEW here, uh, did you catch NXT in full from Tuesday? I saw snippets. I didn't see it in full. So, I mean, several things happened, but, like, the bigger takeaway from me, we'll talk about the debut of the former Roxy in a second, who I know you're a fan of now. We'll talk about that in a moment. Before we get into the fresh faces, though, it feels like, from watching the show myself, I don't know, you know, you hear about those April cuts, and it was on April 15th last year and the year before. They did not happen this year, thankfully. They might still be coming, and I honestly feel like I honestly feel like it won't be a main roster thing. It might be a round of NXT cuts. Because if you look at the show this week and who they put over and what they did or why they did what they did, like, Sangha was with Grayson Waller for, like, two months. Maybe not even. Three months, max. And they already broke them up. Grayson Waller beat him on Tuesday, as he should have. But it felt like they were writing Sangha off. Wesley, I mean, he his partner just got fired. We talked about that two weeks ago. He's gone. And now while uh, Wesley's on his own, and they had him lose to fucking Zion Quinn on Tuesday. And that was weird. Um, grizzled Young Vets, who are no longer Grizzled Young Vets, they lost the match to, I think it was Legato. They're not even, they, they dropped the Grizzled Young Vets name, and they teased after the show they might be done with the brand, and I feel like they might be on their way out too. Kushida, also gone from NXT, we'll talk about that in a second too. He didn't get released, he left on his own. But as far as, before we get to Kushida, um, your thoughts, and do you think another round of releases might be coming from NXT, and it might be featuring some people that we regularly see on the show? Dakota Kai being another one. She was beaten last week, and we didn't see her on this week's show at all, so I'm kind of, uh, I'm a little bit worried. Yeah, I mean, I think with NXT, especially with the developmental, I feel like you're getting more cuts. I think it's just the nature of a developmental. You'll probably get more cuts anyways, because maybe after trying it out, it just really doesn't work, and at that point, maybe you don't see a future in those set people. So, I mean, Dakota Kai, I mean, at this point, we're just waiting for it at this point. I love her to death, but I think it's more a matter of if than when she gets released, unfortunately. I just, I don't know, she just has NXT stench all over her. I don't, I don't think she's ever getting called up at this point. Uh, Sangha, I mean, I met the guy. You did, I, yeah. He was with Waller, and then he just left, and then that was weird. The Grizzly Young Vets seemingly seems like they're gone. Kushida, I mean, I honestly didn't care that he left. I was never the biggest Kushida guy. And who else did you say? Uh, Wesley being another one. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately with uh, with Nash Carter getting released, I just, I don't know, maybe they'll build him up on his own, but I wouldn't be surprised if he got released as well. Yeah, just what they're doing right now with some of the people, and I don't even mind some of the people they're putting over, but like Roderick Strong kind of teased that he might be done, which was weird, and uh, he's another guy like Dakota Kai. He's never getting called up. I mean, that's just that's just a set-in-stone fact. Um, but it's weird. With Kushida, you mentioned, I know you never were really a fan of him. Did you ever see him getting beyond a certain level? Because he signed three years ago. I was excited. I never really thought he would be WWE champion, but did you feel like the writing was on the wall there, especially once NXT 2.0 came around? Yeah, I mean, I never really saw, like, a huge future for him. I mean, him as the Cruiserweight champion, I was like, oh, that's good for him. But, I mean, once they switched to 2.0, I feel like a lot of people that were there since the initial NXT, they were kind of in trouble. Any early impressions of the new NXT Tag Team Champions pretty deadly? I didn't even see their match. Did you see when they won the championships last week? I did. I mean, they're fine. I mean, I don't. I don't know if I'm over the top for them yet, but I think they're good. Okay, there's some fresh faces in that division, if nothing else. 
Uh, speaking of fresh faces, as I mentioned, the former Roxy Ring of Honor World Women Champion uh, making her debut this week on the show. And it was advertised for next week. She showed up anyway in a backstage segment, got challenged to an impromptu match with J.C. Jane, and she won, albeit on a distraction. Um, speaking of distractions, I mean, Saray lost to fucking Tiffany Stratton. Saray might be another one that gets cut too, by the way. Yeah, I can see Saray again released. I just, I don't know, just feel like she hasn't really meshed well. Uh since, I don't know, since she, they try to change her character, and I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think she's she's probably on the chopping block as well. But, no, I, I thought Roxanne, was it Perez? Perez the last Yeah, time Roxanne Perez, yep. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, I think she she was good. I think she's got a great look, young. She good match here with Jane. And, I mean, not a huge Wendy Chu guy, but, I mean, got the distraction from Wendy there and uh, beat one half of the uh, women tag team champions, so. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Maybe we're going to get her and Mandy next. I don't know. I thought we were going to get Cora again, but it seems like we're getting her and Natty. So we'll see. But uh, I think she's got a bright future as well. I'd give it a little bit more time, but I feel like she might be more ready to take that championship off of Mandy than Cora. Yeah, I think Cora needs a little bit more time. I agree on that as well. Yeah, it was weird. When we were at Stand and Deliver, people weren't really into Cora as much as I thought they would be. And even the NXT audience, I don't think, the, like the crowds and stuff, were not into her as much as I thought they were, which is weird. Uh, maybe the Natalia feud will help with that. I don't give a fuck about Natalia, but maybe she'll help with that, we'll say. Uh, as we transition into AEW here, before we get into Dynamite, Battle of the Belts from last week, kind of a throwaway special, didn't do great in the ratings. I mean, these specials are... I, I love the idea of quarterly specials, but these are so fucking pointless. We've talked about this before, but why would you have a show called Battle of the Belts with an AEW World Championship match the night before on Rampage? And I thought it was a very good match, and I enjoyed it, but why not just do that on Saturday? If, maybe it's because the Friday show was live and Saturday wasn't. I don't know. It was very weird. Um, I thought it was a solid show. Rosa and Rose was fine. Um, I really like Gresham and Castle for the Ring of Honor World Championship. Scorpio and Sammy had a good match, but I'm so beyond done with the teen. The, the TNT title dude has meant absolutely nothing. Probably since Miro lost it to Sammy the first time back in September. I'm so done with Sammy in the mid-card TNT title picture. And turning him and Ty Heel was a was a must, but it doesn't make their characters any better. I thought Wednesday's segment sucked too. Yeah, I'm kind of over them as well. I mean, I know they had to turn them heel, but... Sammy just muddying up the fucking TNT title pictures like Cody 2.0. I'm like, can we just move on, please? I mean, I just, I'm kind of over him, especially with Scorpio and them. I mean, I wasn't really big into them to begin with. Now, like, are we supposed to cheer them? Like, are they the baby faces now? Like, I don't know. I'm kind of over this. So maybe, uh, I, I guess it's a ladder match next week. So I guess we're getting Scorpio and and uh, Sammy in a, in a ladder match. So maybe we can move on from there. But, yeah, I, I really don't understand the whole point of the Battle of the Belts if you're not going to have the, the main championships on it. I mean, it's clearly supposed to like sim- be similar to the old Clash of Champions back in the day. But, I mean, they're just kind of... I feel like they load up Dynamite more than they do on these, these uh, specials. So, mm-hmm. don't really understand that. But it is what it is, and I think the ratings show that... I mean, the show was weak, and that's what it was. Yeah, they gotta pick this shit up and start doing more, uh, put more effort into these shows that they intend on keeping them around. I can't imagine TNT is too thrilled with that. Although I know they're very happy with Dynamite or Rampage or whatever it is, I can't imagine they're thrilled about uh, you know, the, these quarterly specials not really doing what they intended as far as good ratings are concerned. It's really been a waste of a show, but 
you know, I thought it was fine for what it was. It wasn't a bad show, and they had the title change, even though no one really cared, but it is what it is. Speaking of shows, we got to get into this uh, right away here, because this was probably the bigger talking point from Wednesday's show. The latest big announcement from Tony Khan, what could it be, what is it, blah, blah, blah. As a lot of people speculated on social media coming into this Wednesday show, it is indeed a super show with AEW in New Japan Pro Wrestling entitled The Forbidden Door, a live pay-per-view on June 26th. I think they said, I'm pretty sure that's a Sunday. Um, so they're having a fifth pay-per-view this year, AEW is. They're having full gear and double or nothing all out in Revolution and now this show as well. It's not a Saturday special. It's not like a two-hour show on TNT. It is a full-blown pay-per-view with hopefully the top talent from New Japan and hopefully the top talent from AEW as well. I know you don't give a shit about New Japan. You don't watch the product at all. So as someone who doesn't really care about New Japan and really any of this sort of stuff, I'm curious what your thoughts on the announcement were and how it was handled and all that other sort of stuff. Uh, I mean, the handling is, I feel like it was, I mean, why was Adam Cole doing it? It just seemed weird. Then we got Jay White running in, who was here, then he left, and then he was on TNA, so whatever. I mean, I think the show would do well. Everyone, oh, the show's going to sell out. Well, yeah, I mean, I think the people that like New Japan and AEW, yeah, they'll fly to Chicago to see the show, but I think they're missing the mark. I feel like you're getting the fans that you already have when you do this stuff. And That's I mean, true. If I, yeah. If, if you're fine with that, then you're fine with that. But, I mean, I was told that they were going to find all these fans that stopped watching wrestling to bring them back to watch the show, and I don't think they've done any of that. I think they've just gotten, like, the Colt Ring of Honor, New Japan fans, basically. You know, there's some WWE fans, but... You still have that same cool audience, and that's why the show just never gets really any much bigger than it is now because I feel like you're just grooming the same people. Like, someone that likes AEW most likely likes New Japan, so they'll watch that show or go to that show. So yeah, it'll be it'll do fine, but, I mean, I don't know anything about New Japan, and I don't over-the-top care. Yeah, I figured that. I think it's a cool concept of them doing the whole super show thing because, I mean, you talk about how they kind of – cater to that Ring of Honor New Japan audience. I mean, I'm among that audience. I don't really watch New Japan all that much, but I did watch Ring of Honor, and I still do whenever they have shows. But they're not gaining new fans with this, and which is, I wouldn't say it's an issue, because they do need to gain new viewership. I, I agree with that. Or bring back lapsed fans or whatever. This is really just catering to the audience you have, which, again, I think is fine, because I, I think that's fine for, the, for this sort of thing. Um, with that being said, though, I know you know a little bit about some of the top talent over there. Obviously, Okada, Tanahashi, people like that. Is there any one match that you think would be or would make sense to be the main event of that show or a match that you would actually want to see from the little that you've seen of some of the top talent over there? I mean, it all depends on who's the champion at that point. I mean, if it's Punk, I mean, I, I, I would assume you'd give, it would be Punk and Okada. I mean... Or if it's not Punk and it's Hangman, then it'd be Hangman Okada. I mean, I think that would make the most sense, but... I agree. I mean, I, that's all I really... I don't, like I said, I don't know too, too much, but I obviously know he's a big deal. Like, to Tanahashi as well. Um, so maybe do Hangman and Tanahashi, or... Or Punk and Tanahashi really does I mean, I think those are, would kind of be the four guys that you'd kind of staple into the single big matches. And then from there, I, I mean... I guess we'll see. I don't really know where like an MGF or Wardlow would fit in, but uh, mm-hmm. I mean that's that's where I'd come off the top of my head. Yeah, they may not even be on the show. I was thinking about this morning, like where would MJF factor into this this sort of show? And I don't think he would. I mean, I don't know if they have to have all of their top talent on a show like this, but they they could. Maybe they will. Maybe they'll find a way to mix them in there. But um, 
What about a guy like Jay White, who I know you're a little bit familiar with? Anyone from the AEW roster you would like to see mix it up with Jay White on a show like that? I mean, Adam Cole and him are there. I mean, I think that would be a pretty cool match. I mean, yeah. I think they're both heels, so I don't know how that would really work. But, I mean, like I said, if you're catering that audience, they really don't care if it's heel face winner like Cody used to be. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think that would be a good little match as well. So, I mean, maybe Omega's back or comes back. I really don't know. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. That's that's another question, too. We're still two months away from this show. It's April 21st as we speak now. It happens on June 26th, so just about eight weeks from now. Um, I don't know if Omega's going to be back. I thought he'd be back for double or nothing, and I guess he still could be because it's in about a month, but I don't think he will be. I mean, I could be wrong, but we'll see. Um, I don't know. But speaking of Punk, you mentioned who's going to be the champion by that point. Punk, Hangman, pretty much set in stone. Um, after it Not officially announced, but it looks like that's the direction we're heading, and Punk, Hangman for... Double or nothing following Punk's victory over Dustin Rhodes on Wednesday. So, your thoughts on that match for the pay-per-view? Are you looking forward to it? And as of now, a month out, who would you have win? Yeah, I think it's going to be a good match. I mean, Punk, uh, I mean, Punk, LOL. I mean, I love Hangman, but I, we, we talked about this last night. I just, I, I feel like since he's been champion, he's been a complete afterthought. And, I mean, he's barely ever on the show. Like, last night he was on, that, he literally came out for that one little snippet that's all you saw of him all night i just i don't know i felt like everyone was telling me oh you know he's gonna be this big star he beat omega once he beats omega he'll be like the the top dog and the big champion but i feel like he's been third or fourth fiddle since that and it really haven't helped him a lot he's barely on the show I mean, he's had good matches when he's been on the show but i just feel like he's been in dumb segments with with cole as well and he just hasn't really been featured that often so if I was them, I, I, w- I would take the belt off and put him on Punk because Punk is big news right now. MJF's big news right now. Hangman's, like I said, third or fourth fiddle at this point. You, you could probably conjure up other people to put ahead of him, honestly. Yeah, I mean, someone like a Brian Danielson I would put ahead of uh, Hangman, too, as far as someone who's really... Not that Hangman's doing bad work. I like the, uh, the Texas death match, even though the stipulation was completely unnecessary. Um, I don't know. I think Punk is, like you said, he's the hot ticket right now, so I would put the championship on him. I would be fine if Hangman retained, but I think it just might make more sense to put the belt on Punk at this point because he's kind of firing in all cylinders. Um, any thoughts in the match that he had with Dustin Rhodes to start of the show? Yeah, I thought it was a good match. I mean, nothing on the line there, but maybe one of Dustin's, hopefully one of his last matches can go out with Punk, but uh, I thought it was a good match. No, I mean, it went a little long. I mean, yeah. should Punk be going 25 minutes with fucking Dustin Rhodes? Probably not, but... I mean, the fans are there for every move in the dictionary, so that's what you get. <laughs> Kyle O'Reilly in the Men's Owen Hart Cup qualifying. I was happy to see that. I thought Jungle Boy would win, and that would have been fine. But I think Kyle O'Reilly, I mean, he is Canadian, which I didn't know up until recently. But uh, it makes sense. I feel like he's a perfect fit for that tournament alongside uh, Samoa Joe. Yeah, I thought that was a good match. I was honestly very surprised he won because... I feel like he's been eating a lot of pinfalls lately. So I thought when I saw it was him and Jungle Boy, I was like, oh, Jungle Boy went here. And then, I mean, I feel like they it's kind of with Jungle Boy specifically. They're so hot and cold with him. I mean, I know he's the tag team champion as well, but they usually it's like they usually that time of the year again that they're going to push Jungle Boy a little bit just to lose. So maybe, maybe they didn't want to do that right now. But uh, Kyle winning makes sense. I feel like he's a good fit in that tournament, and I had no complaints with it. That Christian Cage heel turn's got to be coming, right? I mean, I've been saying this since the start. They've dragged this out forever. But after Jungle Boy lost last night, he said he mouthed the words, I'm sorry, as he looked at Christian, and Christian walked off with him. I mean, 
they got to hurry this fu- the fuck up. I mean, Christian's got to be in the ring again. The guy's not getting any younger. You know I'm a Christian fan. Can we please just hurry up with the turn already? Have him turn on Jungle Boy so we can move on from this? I've been ready for a while now. I mean, he was supposed to outwork everyone, and he barely works. So, uh, he outworks all the managers, they- maybe. Yeah. I mean, I feel like it's at this... Maybe maybe they'll lose the belts coming up soon, and then just like Jungle Boy's down his dumps, and Christian just beats the shit out of him. I don't know, but it needs to come sooner rather than later. What team would you put the belts on? FTR or Blackpool Combat Club? A double or nothing? And I think they should lose either way. By the way, the Jurassic that is. Uh, it's a good one. Probably the way it's going, it seems like they probably put them on. I mean, when you say Blackpool Combat Club, are we saying Moxley and? And Brian, or is this like a free bird? That I honestly don't know. I don't know who would be the, the, the combo because they really haven't made it clear because they haven't done like Moxley and Yuta yet, or I could see it being give them Danielson the trio. Yuta. When they bring the trios, give them the, I, I would say FTR. Yeah, I and agree. I agree. I, I think, I mean, it makes sense. They have the AAA belts, the Ring of Honor belts. I mean, they, they love collecting belts over there, so they just they might as well throw the, the AEW ones on them as well. I mean, they're the best team in the world right now anyway, right? They are. What do you make of this report that WWE is interested in them? I mean, I read that and I'm like, well, no shit. They're probably interested in any popular act in AEW. We hear this every couple of weeks. Oh, they're interested in Jade Cargill. Oh, they're interested in blah, blah, blah. Well, no fucking shit they're interested in these people because they're hot right now. No shit. But, um, I mean, I still say, I, I mean, people disagreed with me. They, I think there was a good chance they could go back down the road. People misread them. We're like, why would they go back? Their division sucks. Dude, it's fucking 2022. People go back in a decade. That happened. Cody Rhodes, it took him six years to come back. People said the same thing about him. If Cody could go back and be treated like a star for now anyway, I don't I don't see why FTR, even for as bad as WWE's tag team division is, it could be better in five years. It probably won't be, but there could be that one point where they're just bringing people back and they want the money. I mean, I don't see... I mean, even the fucking Dax Harwood said, oh, there's a chance we can go back. We wouldn't be opposed to it. So what do you make of that report? No, I think, I mean, it makes sense. I mean, they're hot right now. I mean, I honestly think if they came back, I feel like I'd want them to put them with Randy. I mean, I feel like they had some friendship with Randy before they left. They seem to really like Randy. I feel like Randy's better in stables in a couple of years or whenever they're up. I mean, imagine putting them with Randy. and he, They could be like the Usos to, to Randy, basically. Like F- they could still yeah. be at a top. They could still be champions or at a top level but they're associated with Randy. I, I think that'd be pretty cool. WWE did not do nearly enough with FTRKO. I mean, that had so much potential, and they, they, they cut it short after like a month or something. So, yeah, I mean, I don't even know. Again, I'm talking like five years down the road. Orton, by that point, it's going to be 45 if he's even still wrestling regularly at that point, but I do like that idea. Um, but either way, you could certainly see them going back, right? Yeah. I don't think it's... I think John Mox is a little less likely just given how he left and his feelings towards the company, but he's another one. I'm not saying it's impossible. I don't think he'll be back on like a regular wrestling ba- basis, but I think he'd come back for the Hall of Fame. I think Punk could come back for the Hall of Fame. Not that it means anything, but again, I we're at a point now where people say, oh, they'll never go back. And this is like literally after Cody, the fucking founder of All Elite Wrestling just came back and all these other people came back after all these years. Warrior, Brett, Bruno. I mean, the list goes on and on. I mean, I don't really think it's far-fetched that any of these people in WWE, or AEW rather, could come back at some point down the road, even if it's 10, 15 years from now. Yeah, I mean, I think people are just dumb when they say that. I think 
at the end of the day, like that's where they started their career. They always just seem to come back. I feel like even if it's a short run and it doesn't work, like the Hardy Boys came back and it wasn't the greatest run. They had a fun run, but you know it didn't work out for the best in the end because obviously they're not there anymore. But they still came back. I mean, it just just at least once. And I think they'll. I'm not saying they have to come back or I'm desperate to see them back. I just think it's silly to say they'll never be back because we've seen stranger things happen. So. Just keep an eye on that. But as far as people leaving and coming real quickly, your thoughts on Jack Evans leaving. Uh, The tweet was interesting because it said, oh, you know, I won't be re-signed. He didn't say I won't be re-signing, which indicates, oh, I'm not re-signing on my own accord. He said he wasn't being re-signed, which makes it sound like it was AEW's choice, which doesn't surprise me, and I'm also not shocked to see him leave. But it is a bummer because we said, dude, three years ago when we went to Double or Nothing in Vegas, they lost to, I think it was Best Friends, and we're thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, they had a good match, and we're like, you know, we were fans of them from Lucha. They have done nothing in the three years they've been there. They have literally just been jobbers. And every company needs jobbers, but I thought those two guys were were better than that, in my opinion. Yeah, I completely agree. I think Angelico and... Jack Evans. Are they the greatest team of all time? No, but the way they were treated, I mean... They never even had a shot. They were a glorified job team, yeah, unfortunately. But, I mean, when I saw that, it said, like you said, the way he wore it, it was like we weren't offered contract. Like, I wasn't offered a renewal. I mean, it's like saying it's sky's blue right now. I mean, I'm not shocked at all. I mean, they never did anything. They never won anything. There's no... Like, they're not making the company any money. I mean, it is what it is. Yeah, no, it is what it is. Uh, I mean, you got to let people go. I'm not like, oh, they shouldn't have let them go. I'm just saying I think they should have done more with them and, and at least given them a shot. I mean, there's so many teams they give a shot to when it doesn't work or it does work. They never even had a shot to be anything more than an enhancement team. I can't remember a single fucking match those either of those guys or as a team won on television in the three years they were there. I mean, they haven't been on TV at all in the last year, aside from Matt Hardy and the whole HFO shit, which was terrible. But, um, yeah, that, that that's a shame. And hopefully, uh, I'm sure we will, not hopefully, but I'm sure we will see more names on that cut list. Not cut list, but people that won't get renewed in the months to come. Because there's still a lot more people that are not on TV that will probably be let go in the coming months. Uh, one final note here, Darby Allen beating Andrade in a coffin match. Your thoughts on the match, and uh, where do we go from here with these guys? It was a coffin match. I mean, once I saw the, the fucking tax, it was kind of, oh, Jesus Christ. Um, but it was a fine match. I like Andrade. Just seemingly can't win it when it matters the most. Darby, I mean, it's seemingly he's winning, but, like, he's still kind of spinning his wheels with the whole Sting thing. I think I think they could do more with him. I know it's, they like the team, and they're seemingly going to face the Hardys coming up. But um, I feel like you're kind of not wasting him, but, like, I feel like he can be doing a lot more now than – then teaming with Stang and then with Andrade, I I really don't know. I mean, he like I said, he never never wins when it matters the most. He's lost a few title shots against uh, the TNT Championship. I yeah. mean, at this point, yeah. what, what, what do you really do with the guy? That's the thing. I mean, he already lost to who? Cody. He lost to Pack that one time. You know, he doesn't lose. He lost all- to Sammy. Lost to Sammy. Failed to win the TNT title. I mean, lost to Sammy and Darby. So he had two title shots. Lost yeah, both just- of them. You got to break up the state. I mean, he did beat Darby. I'm not saying he always loses. He did beat Darby in the main event a couple of weeks ago. Didn't win the feud, but he did beat him a couple of weeks ago. But I mean, this last year for him has not been what I thought when he when he came to AEW. I mean, it's not like he's been a complete loser. But I think we all had higher expectations for Andrade when he came in about a year ago. Yeah, I think we all thought he'd get a title run, like he'd be pushed pretty heavily. And I feel like at first he was starting to get a push, but then he started losing. Then he faced Cody. 
he beat Cody like once, but then he lost when it mattered the most. Beat Darby, lost in the like the feud ender. Had two title matches, lost both of them. I mean, he's basically like had two I managers. Think I saw it. Yeah, had two manager, had three managers. Had Vicky Chavo now fucking Jose. Yeah, so. yeah. Um, but I think I looked it up. Like he has a winning record, but if he took out like his wins and losses and like his wins on dark, he would have like a significantly lo- like a losing record because wow. whenever he's actually lo- wrestled like actual matches, he's lost more than he's won. I just don't understand if you're gonna have Sammy be a heel now. Why would you put the TNT title on a heel Sammy for what the third time now, as opposed to giving it to Andrade at least once? <laughs> I keep the love the Sammy well, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. The Sammy stuff. I think he's a great athlete. I'm a Sammy fan, but I just I'm not a fan of him keeping him in the title picture so consistently. Like they have such a deep roster now, give someone like a Keith Lee a shot. Maybe maybe Keith Lee's the one to take the championship off of Sammy soon. Mm, maybe. I mean they're doing the tag team with him and uh and Swerve, and right? Swerve, yeah. so I mean, if anything, Keith Lee looks like he needs to go to the gym or get a dietitian because he looks like he's putting on fucking weight like no one's business right now. Yeah, I can't. I, I don't know. I, I've, I've seen people say that. I can't really pick it out myself. I haven't really done a side-by-side comparison. but I mean, he Yeah, I, I watched Dark the other day, and that's the first thing I noticed. I was like, geez, looks like he's put some weight on. He's definitely not the same size he was when he went to NXT four years ago. I mean, he is older, but I mean, he is significantly bigger. Yeah, so, I mean, it seems like they're pushing them as a tag team, so I don't know if they're going to do anything solo-wise. At least he's not wearing that dress anymore. My needs are. That tennis, uh, was it the tennis shoes? Or I love the... the tennis skirt. <laughs> the tennis skirt was awful. That shit was terrible. But, um, yeah, we'll see what the future holds. But we'll talk all about it next week here on the show, brother, breaking down Raw Dynamite, all the usual stuff. We don't have WrestleMania backlash for another two and a half weeks, but we just discussed this before we went live about an hour ago. We're two weeks away from WrestleMania backlash, and we'll, like I said, very likely be there as we discussed a couple of weeks ago, and I'm very excited for that. Can't wait. Can't wait, brother. Have a great week. I'll catch you guys soon. See ya.